0: We have also had a girl who had her pregnancy test went to her. She could do the test, but she couldn't read the results. And she was using Be My Eyes to find out whether or not she was pregnant. And it's kind of interesting because it's basically her only way to do this without involving a live person uh, in her surroundings. And maybe she didn't want to do that. diversity of ideas is harder than it looks welcome to innovation for all conversations on the social impact of innovation with your host Shana Alkvist
1: Hi there, Shana Alkvist here. I'm excited about today's episode. Uh, I spoke with Hans-Jorgen Wieberg, inventor of Be My Eyes. Be My Eyes is an app made up of a global community that connects people with low vision to sighted volunteers from around the world through a live video call. I'm especially excited about the ways that technology can support the needs of those who might otherwise get overlooked, and Be My Eyes is a great example. We talk about the concept of microvolunteering and how we can use technology to lend a hand on an ad hoc sort of one-task-at-a-time basis. We also talk about what designers can do to make their products friendlier to those with poor vision. And it turns out there are a lot of different ways to have impaired vision, and Hans describes some of those as well. Enjoy. Hans Bieberg, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Yeah, so I was hoping we could start off a little bit broadly. Can you tell me what micro-volunteering is?
0: Well, that's uh, (laughs) that's a good question. It's, um, at least in my opinion and in what we are doing, it is a small act of kindness that you can do in an easy way without being obligated to be at a specific uh, place at a specific time and so on. So it's a small, small act of uh, good.
1: That's great. And so can you tell me a little bit more about Be My Eyes and how it works?
0: Well, Be My Eyes is a rather simple app that you download. It's the same app whether you are applying blind or a sighted volunteer. So you choose what role you have and then you sign up. And when you as a blind person need a pair of eyes, you take out your phone and you press the button and then uh, we will send a notification to 10 different uh, people because we don't know what our volunteers are doing. So some are being interviewed and some are working and some are driving and some, but most likely one or two of those 10 people have time and then they will tap on the screen or and say yes. And the first one to do that will get the call and we make the live video connection. And then you can be in the U.S. and I can be in my kitchen here in Denmark and then I can point my phone at something and you can uh, tell me what it is. And then we can talk about the weather and uh, then (laughs) uh, say uh, thank you so much. And then, uh, yeah, that's it. So, And we do this uh, based on language, of course. We have 182 different languages So you also uh, choose your language and you can add a secondary language and then, of course, uh, time zones. We don't call our volunteers in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. So if you are a blind person in uh, Texas and you want help uh, four o'clock in the morning, we don't call anyone <laughs> else in Texas <laughs> at that time. Then we just find someone in in Europe or in New Zealand or something where it is between uh, eight o'clock in the morning and uh, eight o'clock uh, at night.
1: Now, uh, and as uh, someone who does a lot of user research, I have to ask: Is that something you guys caught ahead of time, or is that through error <laughs> adding that feature?
0: <laughs> no, I <laughs> was uh, ahead of time. So good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's great, <laughs> but it was um, I, I didn't think about it when I came up with this idea. But one of the developers said uh, we we can do it this way, and then yeah, normally time zones are kind of a, a trouble thing, but we have turned it into an advantage for us because then mm. we we can kind of uh, yeah help twenty four seven without disturbing twenty four seven.
1: So oh, that's super cool. That's great. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about, so you yourself are visually impaired or blind. So can you tell me a little bit about why something like Be My Eyes is so helpful?
0: Yes, um, it's helpful. First of all, it's uh, something that wasn't possible even uh, not that many years ago. But now that we have the super smart phones in our pocket and we are online, now you you are able to make a live video connection in basically anywhere in the world. So now it is possible to help in, in this way. And the thing that people like about it is that because of the volunteers has signed up and are there you kind of feel that you're not asking really you are asking but when you don't have that feeling because you know that the volunteers have signed up just to do this. And that makes a huge difference uh, in the way it works uh, in your (laughs) psychology. And it's super interesting. It's really a small thing, but it makes a huge difference. It's way easier to to ask for help in this way because you know 100% that the person who picks up is more than happy to help you.
1: Well, and I'd love to get a sense of a more concrete example of, of like, when would somebody who is visually impaired use this?
0: Well, most of the calls are in uh, inside the house and uh, inside the kitchen. We do a lot of uh, cooking and uh, finding out uh, is this milk good or is it uh, too old or uh, what can this can? What is this? Is it tomato or coconut milk or uh, have I set my oven to the 300 degrees that I wanted to? And or mm. my washing machine, uh, I need to find uh, another program and. That's the one I use uh, mostly and also adjusting your uh, air condition that might be super interesting these days. And also if you are in a hotel uh, room that you want to find out uh, if the light is on and off. Uh, yeah. Also adjusting air condition in, in hotel rooms is uh, something that we do a lot. Uh, oh, so it's,
1: it's interesting uh, you said too that a lot of it has to do with the kitchen, but I guess you're right. There's a lot of, I mean, one, everybody has to eat. <laughs> so. <laughs> People probably cook a lot. And like you're saying, you have to respond to the environment in a lot of different ways. So like you're saying, getting a can of coconut milk or adjusting the temperature or making sure that the food is still within its expiration date.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And also just, just, just a small thing like uh, making coffee. When I was uh, a little younger, uh, a coffee machine had one button and it was either on or off. Uh, and now <laughs> you basically need a master degree to make a cup <laughs> of coffee. And it's uh, also the, all kinds of flavors that you can put in and so on. And also blind people want to use those machines and, and they are not accessible at all. So you really have to uh, yeah, use uh, some kind of uh, help to learn to navigate any coffee machine these days.
1: Well, and I'd love to understand, you know, more broadly, what are some of the things that, I mean, and this is maybe jumping way ahead, but if I was a product designer designing a coffee machine or another kind of product, what are the things that one could be thinking about in design that would make solutions more accessible to someone who is blind? It's like, what would like a great, amazing coffee machine for you look like? I mean, metaphorically.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the standard... And so would be kind of put uh, Braille on it. But many blind people, they don't read Braille because they maybe they grow or they yeah, uh, become blind in maybe their late 60s or 70s. And and then it's not too late, but most people, they don't get about to learn Braille. Well, you know, and just to add
1: on that, I'm I'm completely with you. I used to work for someone who was blind, and I just assumed that she read Braille because isn't Hmm. that... What blind people do, and she, I think she had been blind since birth. And I guess my understanding is, with the advent of technology, a lot of people are using electronic reading devices in never exactly. learning Braille, and that yeah. totally surprised me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it's also it's not an easy thing to learn Braille. So, uh, and and a lot of uh, blind people they get by with a smartphone that can uh, read text and and all kind of stuff. But sometimes you you kind of get stuck anyway. So, but the Good thing you can put into any machine is uh, some kind of uh, audio feedback. Mm. And I know that in some washing machines, they have put in uh, a small speaker that just say uh, it's a one dollar uh, expense for the, the company to do it. And uh, then suddenly this washing machine is accessible to, to anyone. So it's it's really a small thing, but uh, yeah, uh, most devices don't have that. So, oh, that's uh, interesting.
1: Yeah. Or even like you're saying, because I could imagine every time I incremented the temperature on my stove, it might be like, you know, 275, 300, Mm. 325, that might be really annoying. But I could also imagine that maybe on the coffee machine, each button has a distinct tone. So even though Mm. it's not, you know, super intrusive, it is giving some sort of feedback about which is which
0: yeah yeah uh, and I'm open to all kind of uh, solutions but but it, it's also annoying if you have to spend a lot of time learning all the different mm-hmm. tones on your coffee machine and so on so but if it's something that you can kind of switch on or off uh, in an easy way would also be handy, but because we also have to realize that it can be really annoying if uh, you have uh, a talking device saying something uh, all the time <laughs> uh, so yeah.
1: Well, and so um, I'd love to go back. So in lieu of Be My Eyes, so you're in the kitchen, you've got these two cans, one's probably tomatoes and one's probably coconut milk, and those are not the same. (laughs) Only one will go well in your ice cream. (laughs) So can you walk me through the experience of, without something like Be My Eyes, what that looks like? Is it like knocking on a neighbor's door or...
0: It will most likely be that you, when you go shopping, you try to keep it in order. But most likely before you get home and you have a handle in a bag and so on, it will be mixed up anyway. And then what can you do? You put it in your cupboard and then you wait till someone comes around and uh, then you ask them, uh, could you please just put the coconut milk on the right side and the other stuff on the, on the left side? And then uh, you have your things in order and then uh, you can do your cooking. But you really need to be uh, (laughs) a person with uh, that kind of order yet to be uh, comfortable cooking with the stuff you have in your kitchen. And of course, there is also uh, you can have, uh, maybe you can uh, have a uh, QR code reader that can mm-hmm. help you with with uh, some things and so on. But it, it can be really difficult to find out how many minutes does this need to be in the microwave oven uh, and so on. Uh, find that kind of information uh, online and and so on. And even uh, finding the QR code can be really difficult. <laughs> I hate QR codes,
1: so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody likes them. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. So, what we hope and what we experience is that blind people, they do things they wouldn't do otherwise, uh, because now they they know that they have this uh, the pair of eyes in their pocket, so whenever they uh, kind of get stuck in the process, they, they can pull out the phone and within 30 seconds, they have uh, a pair of eyes that can help them uh, with something. That's uh, awesome,
1: so. that's interesting. So it sounds like through something like Be My Eyes, you're doing things you wouldn't necessarily do. And, you know, I think we had talked about this beforehand, but I I recently spoke with Char Goodsifar, who's creating a product called Helpkin. And part of what they're doing is allowing people to essentially swap babysitting responsibilities with friends. Mm -hmm. And it made me start thinking about how, at least in America, as a culture, we often spend money over asking for things. So when I had a new baby, for instance, it was totally fine for me to go hire a breastfeeding consultant to teach me how to breastfeed, but that's only because I didn't have any close family nearby that could show me how to do that. So it's like I was replacing this social connection of learning from my my elders with a paid service from Mm. a stranger. And so one of the things I like about Helpkin is that you're moving people away from hiring babysitters, this paid transaction to having this reciprocal relationship among close others. So I wonder if something like be my eyes almost isn't the opposite though, where perhaps in the past you might have gone and asked your neighbor, which one is a can of coconut. And you know, maybe you say, hi, you strike up a conversation, but now you're essentially outsourcing that job to the anonymous internet. I mean, are we losing something there?
0: Well, first of all, uh, congratulations with the baby. Uh, (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And no, I have this, I usually say that now... When you have Be My eye you can be friends with your friends. Most likely, if you visit a blind person and they are not using uh, Be My Eyes or uh, any other devices, then they will have a list of things that you need to see, just small things like putting things in a specific order or looking at this uh, piece of mail or something like that. And your friends like to do that, but you always feel that you are the one asking, uh, your friend will not ask you to do something for him. So you all, even if you know that they like to help you. You have this feeling of being that person asking for help all the time, and that's not a nice feeling. And uh, you often, when you ask the same person uh, maybe two times the same day, then you are, oh, would you like to have a cup of coffee or some? You kind of do something the other way, and with the the be my eyes, uh, you know, <laughs> you have no way of giving them coffee, mm-hmm. and it's perfectly fine to use someone's eyes for like we have. Have calls that are less than 20 seconds and you would never ask your neighbor over to tell you if your oven is set to 200 degrees or 300, whatever it is. So it makes really a difference because uh, if you have asked the same person two times the same day, then you might take the risk or I think it's uh, 300 degrees here. Let, let's see how it smells in 30 minutes. And, and so, <laughs> And, and most likely it will be uh, perfectly good, but you have this feeling that you, you're not quite sure what you're doing and, and so on. And so it really makes a difference that you can kind of uh, just take this uh, extra look like any uh, sighted person does.
1: That makes sense. Yeah. So, I mean, essentially, it's not like my scenario where there is this reciprocity. It's like you might feel like you're constantly having to ask for something and that doesn't mm, yeah,
0: feel yeah, very that's good. The, that's the difference. mm, mm.
1: So, I think I want to switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit more about Be My Eyes from a business perspective. So, mm-hmm. Be My Eyes, microvolunteering. First of all, how on earth does one monetize that? <laughs> but, <laughs> but broadly, can you talk a little bit about your journey with bringing Be My Eyes to market?
0: Mm, yeah. Well, it's kind of a long story because when I came up with the idea in 2012, the first thing I did was to uh to get a team around <laughs> this idea because I'm not a technical guy myself so and we started out by talking about how can we make this into something uh, sustainable and we had no idea because if the volunteers are doing the work for us we cannot give them ads to look at and from day 1 we decided that it should be a free service for the blind people because In any country, the blind people are in the very low income group Mm. uh, and in most countries, it's really difficult to make a living or uh, get a job or anything. And we also decided that we wanted to help uh, blind people all over the world. So that was kind of a basic thing that we didn't want to monetize on the volunteers and we didn't want to monetize on the blind people and then (laughs) we kind of had a problem. So, but we started out as a nonprofit, and we raised the first uh, money to develop the app. And so, as a nonprofit, but when we had spent those money uh, sooner than we thought, we needed uh, to raise some more, and that was really difficult. So we uh, flipped the company to a for-profit company, and the team came up with an idea that we should make. And we have done that now. It's taken a, a couple of years to, to get to this point. But now you can also call, for instance, you can make a call directly to uh, Microsoft Support. Uh, so if you are a blind person and you have an issue with a uh, Microsoft product, then you can use Be My Eyes to call Microsoft Support directly. And a few good things about this. Uh, the first thing is that Microsoft also gets the video part Uh, Normally, when you call a support, you just use the phone and then a supporter will ask you, "Okay, what's on the screen now? But if you are a blind person, that's really difficult to tell. But now that they have the video part, uh, they can really help their blind customers, which was really difficult before. The second good thing about it is that uh, Microsoft is paying Be My Eyes a monthly fee so we can help them help their blind customers. On top of this, the Third good thing is that Microsoft learned something about their own product. Mm. Uh, Our main focus is uh, tech companies uh, because uh, a lot of uh, blind people are using a lot of uh, technical solutions and they have issues with them once in a while. But also we like to add uh, banks. We are just about to uh, launch with uh, one of the biggest banks in Europe. And then, of course, uh, as we talked about before, we would like to have a whole bunch of uh, household machinery companies to sign up for this uh, so they can uh, help their blind customers use their products.
1: Well, it's interesting too. I mean, first of all, that's awesome. But I was also thinking, I could imagine Be My Eyes being really useful almost from an HR perspective for internal employees. So if I'm working at a company. I suspect that I might have the same kind, and I'm visually impaired. I might have the same kinds of problems that come up where I, I just need to know, like, which button's which, those sort of things. Hmm. I can imagine this being a great product that you might partner with a, like, a human resources service provider where, like, Be My Eyes would be part of a platform that was provided to help make sure all their employees were working as best they could.
0: Yeah, it is extremely difficult to get a job if you're blind, but we are looking into how can we help those blind people who has a job uh, mm. to stay in that job. And what you're describing is uh, one of the solutions that we would like to uh, look more into. How can we kind of help blind people within most likely a bigger organization mm. where they could kind of connect to uh, colleagues and so on. So absolutely. Mm.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Well, and I'd also love to ask. So, you know, you mentioned as originally you started as a nonprofit, and then you switched to a for-profit. How on earth does that work? Because I could imagine if I had funded a nonprofit and then it went for-profit, I'd be like, "What the hell just happened?" Where yeah. you guys tricked me into funding your secret capitalistic venture?
0: <laughs> well, and this is a good opportunity for me to say that uh, those who funded us was uh, the one of the biggest foundations in Denmark called Velux. Uh, They make uh, windows for houses. And we called them and said, we have this challenge. How would you feel about uh, if we do this? And they were cool with that, which is pretty (laughs) pretty amazing. (laughs) And so we didn't have any feedback or anything at all. So it was really... uh, (laughs) But also they have this, uh, when when we got the first money, it was, uh, now you can test if this idea is uh, something that we Mm. need to work on. So they really have a super nice attitude to this. Oh,
1: that's super cool. Well, and I was, I was also wondering. Henry Ford once said, if I had asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. Sounds like Ford hired a bad user researcher. PhD Insights is different. They help understand the attitudes and motivations that underlie what customers claim. And this is good for business. So if your company isn't adding attitudinal feedback to their data pipeline, they're missing half the story. Learn how PhD Insights can help your company with pricing, product strategy, and positioning by visiting phdinsights.com. That's phd Insights. So I live in America and you live in Denmark. And I know that And I don't actually know much about the medical system in Denmark, but America does not have any kind of socialized medicine. And I suspect that Denmark probably does. Is that right? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Okay. Can you tell me, does that make a difference basically if, if you're blind? So I could imagine if you're visually impaired and you do or don't have medical insurance that access to this kind of technology might differ. Do you feel like there is a difference between, I guess, between these two countries broadly and how they deal with people who are blind or visually impaired?
0: Well, I'm pretty sure it is... I have to be really careful here, but it's easier to be a blind person in Denmark than it is in many other countries. I'm not an expert on on US or any other countries, but but we have a very high level of social security, and uh, especially if you get ill and have to go to hospital and so on, it's uh, something that's paid for by the taxes in Denmark. So and that makes you see, when you live in Denmark, that is the normal. Uh, so maybe we don't really are so grateful for them we should be, but it's clearly makes a big difference on your life because you don't fear the financial consequences of going to hospital at all in Denmark.
1: Well and this would be sort of supplemental anyway. This is not like Glasses, or the, you know, be my eyes is something that would be completely tangential to, I think, the medical
0: system. Mm. But you see, when we came up with the ideas for Be My Eyes and and talked about how it should be funded and so on, uh, we are only 5 million people in in Denmark. So if we wanted to make a difference, then it had to be something that should be uh, worldwide. And that is also why we decided that it's got to be a free service for the blind people because uh, 90% of the blind people in this world, they live in India and in Africa, and uh, maybe they can. get a smartphone and uh, maybe they can get on the their neighbor's uh, Wi-Fi or, or something like that. In India, it's super cheap to be online with your smartphone. So even uh, yeah, uh, poor uh, blind people can uh, afford to be online, but they cannot pay like uh, $10 a month for a subscription mm-hmm. model uh, for Be My Eye. So we had to find another way to do this.
1: So I would love to understand a little bit more about your particular kind of visual impairment, but my understanding is, so I've worked with, um, I guess, two people who have been blind. One of them seemed completely blind. It seemed like she couldn't detect light or dark or shapes or anything. And the other one, she could navigate what seemed to me perfectly fine, but she had to use like a magnification tool on her laptop or on her computer to be able to read properly. So it seems like there's just a wide range of problems that could occur with vision?
0: I believe that the the eyes are the body part or whatever you call it that has the most different diagnosis. Uh, So (laughs) it's really, really broad range of sight that you can have. I have a disease called uh, Resinitis pigmentosa. And in my case, it's a uh, tunnel vision. I have like uh, five degree of my central vision left, uh, which function pretty good. I can still read the text on my uh, phone and so on. So I'm super happy about that. I will uh, eventually go blind. Uh, a friend of mine has the opposite, so she can see, uh, not see the, the central, but the rest she can see. So uh, we joke about that. Uh, together, we are pretty good. Uh, and then there's all kinds of variations from normal sight to uh, totally blindness. And then on top of that, that is how good are you at coping with what you have? Mm. Uh, and that's maybe a more significant uh, difference. So it's really difficult to know how much a legally blind can see or not.
1: Wow, and you mentioned coping in there. I mean, it's hard because I think until you experience something that changes your life, Mm. you don't have to think about it. But yeah, I could imagine that there'd be a whole wide range of responses to visual impairment.
0: Well, in my case, I was uh, born on a a farm and I wanted to become a farmer and I studied to become a farmer. And then when I was uh, 25, I uh, discovered this uh, eye disease that will uh, make me go blind eventually and yeah. Then I, together with my parents, uh, decided that it was not a good idea to, uh, <laughs> to try to get a farm when we kind of knew that it wouldn't work out uh, in the long run. And so I really had to uh, yeah, change my life. And I had never, ever thought about doing anything else but becoming a farmer. So it was really a,
1: well, Yeah, what was that transition like for you?
0: Well, it was uh, because it was so obvious Mm. that I couldn't become a farmer then I think that that made it easier and also it was kind of something that the doctor told me it was not that there was a whole big difference that day or something and basically I could still uh, drive the car and so on but I was told not to do it and I didn't (laughs) but it wasn't that I was going blind uh, like uh, over a week or something like that so it was uh, I still had yeah way better sight than I have now so it yeah I, I just decided I, did, I I needed to go back to school and then I took 10th uh, grade and then I went to uh, what we in Denmark call, it would, I guess it would be uh, high school, like mm. eleven to 13th grade. And then I started out at the university studying uh, philosophy.
1: <laughs> the opposite of being a farmer.
0: <laughs> yeah, you <can> say that. <laughs> but some of the expressions are very uh, farm like. So, so uh, Oh, I, really? <laughs> uh, so, yeah.
1: That's funny. Well, so, you know, we talked a little bit before about the number of kinds of problems that can go wrong with the eyes. So, I mean, if you're an entrepreneur or a product designer or a business, what are some of the other problems that you think people could try to solve in this space? So, you know, you talked about like, be my eye solves the problem of just I need a quick piece of information. I just need someone to tell me this real quick. What are some other problems that you or people you know have encountered that you think would be a good target for solutions?
0: Well, I'm really um, and a lot of people has asked us what can can you use the same thing to help uh, other people and and I really think there is a big market slash opportunity to help other people with other issues and that could be like elderly that have uh, computers uh, issues or Mm. uh, lonely people, uh, veterans that need someone to talk to. And and I'm sure there is a lot of already uh, solutions that I just don't know about. And we have discovered that without doing anything, we have now 1.5 1.5 million volunteers who has, uh, it, and it's not just liking something on Facebook, they have uh, gone into the App Store and downloaded the app and signed up and said, yes, I want to help. And if you can do that and have uh, in basically all over the world and without spending any money on it, there's so many good people out there who want to help. And we talked about this uh, micro-volunteering I think it's super important for those people that it is something that they can do whenever they have time and they don't have to be at a specific place and so on. So I think there's a lot of things that you can uh, engage people in. And now I am familiar with this blindness world. And so, but I'm sure that other people who are uh, super familiar with, with other issues will be able to make a service that does something else, but maybe uh, kind of like Be My Eyes. Mm. Uh, so, And I'm sure there's a lot of uh, possibilities out there. And um, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I think it's interesting to think about how this kind of model could be applied to other use cases. But I'm mm. almost wondering, what other problems do the visually impaired have that entrepreneurs could try to solve? So... Other barriers like you're talking about, like the microwaves hard to use or other sort of day-to-day things that I might take for granted as someone with full sight that you don't take for granted and you wish there was a solution for.
0: Well, uh, what I'm always talking about, and uh, you see, I have been uh, a member of the Danish Blind Association for like uh, 25 years, and we have, uh, all those years, we have been talking about how uh, websites are not accessible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the solution is that those who make the website, that they just uh, name the buttons, because if you don't uh, give the buttons a name, then the screen reader cannot say what the button is for. Well- It makes so much sense for blind people to use the internet uh, and uh, order uh, stuff online and have it uh, delivered uh, with drones or whatever. So it's really important that blind people can navigate any part of the the internet in an accessible way.
1: Uh, Well, and you just mentioned screen readers. Can you briefly explain what that is and how they're used if you're blind?
0: Well, it's a program that wherever you are or whatever you have on your screen, the screen reader will will start reading in the top left corner and then uh, you can uh, tap arrow down or uh, sideways or whatever and then you find the information that you want. Of course, you cannot uh, see pictures unless they have some kind of uh, description. And also, uh, like I mentioned before, uh, whenever you hit a button, it's not labeled, then the screen, you would, would just say button. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, then, yeah. And even if you you kind of know what it is, uh, sometimes from the context, you can see this button must be, uh, but if it's something where you are about to pay a thousand dollars, then you, ah, I want to know what this button does. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and that's when you pull <laughs> Be My Eyes out, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And people can use Be My Eyes to do that, but it is kind of clunky to do that and and it shouldn't be uh, shouldn't be that way and um so So uh, i was gonna
1: say so it sounds like there's i mean and i've talked about this in a conversation on a related podcast called the ux of diversity but it sounds like there needs to be a lot of thought in designing a website to make it readable for a screen reader can you tell me a little bit more some specific examples of bad screen reading so button image
0: (laughs) No. I really uh, I think it is pretty obvious that uh, as long as it is a text that can be read, uh, you're fine. But if you go into uh, something that is just a, a picture of something, and so then uh, the the screen reader cannot uh, help you, and then you you kind of lose the interest for. And the thing that we have realized, or I have realized, is that my local hairdresser, her website is. Most likely made by her son or her brother, and they are not professional. They are not at all an evil person or something. They just don't think about how blind people should be able to to access this. So, so it's really something that I don't think we can solve it. So we have to find another way to make websites accessible. And the fact that we have so many volunteers, that may be one of the ways that we can, uh, and that's also some of the things that we're looking at, how can we have uh, volunteers help blind people navigate inaccessible uh, websites? So it's uh, an yeah, interesting area to look at.
1: Yeah, it is interesting. Well, so, and with that, I'd love to ask you you know, we encourage people, the podcast is Innovation for All. And I think a big part of this is thinking differently about problems. So I'd love to ask you, what's something that you've changed your mind about recently?
0: Well, I'm in process about changing <laughs> my mind. <laughs> you see, I have been flying a whole lot uh, been to us and been flying around in europe and spending my holiday in iceland and then these the last month or so i've been reading about how wrong it is to spend so much uh, time in the air because of the pollution and most of the things that I have been doing is flying somewhere and giving a talk, a like a 20-minute or half an hour talk, and it is wonderful. I enjoy it very much, but... It is also something that could be done remotely. So lately I have said no to, uh, I was invited to India twice uh, to give a talk down there, but it doesn't make sense to me anymore to, unless it is really something that is uh, related with Be My Eyes and uh, that can help uh, blind people somewhere, then I think I'll start to be more Hesitant about flying for uh, ten hours to talk in uh, twenty minutes to an, an audience, um, but it's uh, also because I, I, I love to travel. <laughs> so, but also it's uh, I think we have to be more careful about what we are doing to our globe. Yeah. So, but it's, it? it's really it's really a, a tough thing to uh, kind of. So
1: it, of it sounds do. like broadly the concern is the impact on the environment. Then.
0: Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, it's, uh, well, uh, we are 3% of the population who fly at all. And we, I don't know how many uh, percent of the pollution we are doing, but that's uh, pretty significant. And so I think we can, uh, we can do better. And basically we have to use the technology that we have invented and do way more uh, Skype meetings, but also maybe uh, spend some money in our offices get a good big screen so it, it feels like you are almost in the same room. And you can do that for not that much money. And And I think that should be be done more. I also realize that it makes a difference that you are in the same room and you can go out and eat together and, and something. But I think there is a lot of flying that will be uh, unnecessary. And I know for sure that the globe is, doesn't care if you are flying on holiday or you're flying mm-hmm. on, on uh, about the, what your work and so on. We really have to be careful uh, how we are. Yeah.
1: Well, like you're saying, I think it, it seems like there are, there are lots of good alternatives at this point, both through. The digital communication, or if you've been invited to India twice, you maybe schedule all of your India stuff the same Mm -hmm. week. So you're only flying once. So Mm -hmm. it's good to hear that this isn't just a pipe dream. It's something that there are actual action steps that one could take to do it that aren't totally
0: disruptive. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: I'd love to hear some specific examples of the kinds of calls you see on Be My Eyes.
0: Well, I have a few uh, favorites. We have talked about the most common is in the kitchen and so on. But we have also had a girl who had her pregnancy test read to her. She could do the test, but she couldn't read the results. And she was using Be My Eyes to find out whether or not she was pregnant. And it's it's kind of interesting because it's basically her only way to do this without involving a live person uh, in her surroundings and maybe she didn't want to do that. So I was really proud that she was using Be My Eyes to to have this uh, information. And another story that I like is a lady in Washington, D.C., she was uh, about to uh, go and sing in her choir and she needed a pair of black shoes. And she was using Be My Eyes to find them. And the volunteer was a lady from Ireland. And when she said that she was going to sing in her choir, then the Irish lady said, oh, I am also singing in a choir. And then they (laughs) forgot all about the black shoes. And they started to talk about what are you singing and what are we singing and so on. And this very long conversation ended up with, uh, they did find the black shoes, but then (laughs) it ended up with that, the lady in Ireland was actually with her choir. They were just having a break, and then the Irish choir was singing across the Atlantic for this lady in, in Washington, and uh, and I, it was just just a cute story uh, that uh, it it turned out to be uh, super fun, and I got this very long email about this <laughs> uh, call here. Yeah, so,
1: oh, that's awesome! Just nice stories of people connecting.
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> it is. So.
1: Oh, that's cool. Well, and I would love to know if you have some sort of ask of our audience, now's your chance.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, any startup (laughs) is looking for more funding and that's... Also, what we would like to get in contact with people who think it is a good thing that what we are doing, but also would like to look into our uh, business model that I have uh, described and would think that's a good way to do it. So that would be be awesome if somebody uh, has that uh, interest and I'll be happy to, to talk to them later.
1: So all the venture capitalists that are listening, where should they find you?
0: They should go to BeMyEyes.com and then uh, there's all kinds of uh, information there and where we put up uh, contact information and uh, podcasts like this and uh, news uh, about Be My Eyes and so on.
1: Well, Hans Wieberg, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast.
0: You're welcome. You're welcome.
1: enjoying today's episode. If you are, you can help us out by visiting Innovation for All on iTunes and leaving us a review. See you soon.